what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, who are the real entrepreneurs out there? Is it the millennials or is it the old fogies? We'll talk about an article with some surprising conclusions. We're going to talk about building your online presence with with graphic designer Jordan Johnson with tips for building your website and getting noticed online. And finally, we'll end up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight businesses that you should be checking out. Greetings. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how's it going out there? Jeff, it's going great. But it's hot, hot, hot. It is hot out there. We're in the midst of summer. We're in late July in beautiful western North Carolina. And, and yet, you know, the community college never sleeps. It seems like uh, you're still a very busy man. You're, Busier than ever. You're doing performance reviews. You're doing planning. You're doing plotting. You're, you're, you're not resting. No, I used to have people tell us that the summers were real quiet at the college. That's when all the, a lot of the administrative work and all the planning gets done. But it's good. And I appreciate you uh, giving a shout out to me when you said old fogey. Okay, well, no, come on now. You're, you're, for a man your age, you look really good. Well, thank you very much. So, and we're also fortunate, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest. We have with us today Jordan Johnson, who is a, a graphic designer with the Marketing Mess and, and resides here in Hickory, North Carolina. Jordan, how are you doing? Good. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. And, uh, you work with Marketing Mess. Tell us a little bit about Marketing Mess. So Mess is a small design and development agency in Chicago. Uh, we work primarily with publishers. That's where we kind of got our, our foothold in the graphic design world there. Uh, so we work with Penguin, Macmillan, all the, the big ones. We just did one for Tor, which is like a big sci-fi publisher. So that's exciting. We also work with schools. So we do. Uh, we've been working on giant signs for cafeterias across the country uh, that kids will see and helping them to identify vegetables and fruits and things that they might not come in contact with. That's sponsored by Coca-Cola or, or no? <laughs> McDonald's, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, okay. Uh, no, so we, we do a lot of different work. We also work with the University of Chicago, so we get our, our higher ed in there, too. So it's a lot of different different things that we touch. And, and you, you do all this remotely, so you can be here in North Carolina as well. Exactly. Couldn't stay away. And you also spent some time with a startup business with wine. I did. That's where I went right after school, uh, for better or worse. It was a really good experience. Uh, I knew almost nothing about the startup world going into it, and I know way too much coming out of it. Uh, especially, we were a group of five people, so you hear the good, the bad, everything in between. Uh, but yeah, it was a really good experience. And you learned about startups. You also learned about wine. I learned a whole lot about wine. <laughs> Is that one of the perks? You know, we, you know, we can't provide you great benefits, but you will get wine? It, exactly. Uh, we had to do all the tastings uh, in-house because that was part of our whole shtick. So, uh, you know, when you do tastings, you don't drink the whole bottle. So most of those whole bottles came back with me. Oh, well, uh, yeah. And as the youngest person on the team, that was sort of a given, which was nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, we were going to trust you over 21 at the time. I was, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, very good, very good. <laughs> 
So that's sort of it's, it's a little bit of a segue into an article that I ran across this month that was in the Atlantic magazine written by Derek Thompson, which was called The Myth of the Millennial Entrepreneur. And Jordan, you know, for better or worse, is part of the millennials, Gary and I. We're not, you know, but the old fogies. We're, we're part of the old fogies. But so anyway, it was it was in uh, the Atlantic earlier this month. And let me drop a few facts from the article. Number one, the share of people under 30 who own a business has fallen 65% since the 1980s and it is now at a quarter century low. The average age for a successful startup founder is around 40 years old, according to the Kauffman Foundation. The only age group with rising entrepreneurial activity in the last two decades are people between the ages of 55 and 65. You know, and I... I, yeah, I think I say I, maybe we have this stereotype of, of the Steve Jobs-like young entrepreneur toiling away in his garage, creating the next great whatever. And, you know, so some of this stuff was concerning to the writer of the article, Mr. Thompson, and, and just, you know, just sort of I found interesting and, and didn't know what, you got, what your takes would be on. And, well, and, I thought it was interesting, too, because that's what we always think, well, it's the young folks that are starting – uh, but as it said in the article, college debt. College debt hurts. And ri- being careful with risk-taking, risk-taking. Uh, which I thought was interesting because mm-hmm. we don't really think from a stereotype that certainly I understand the college debt, but we think that younger folks are going to be uh, more involved in risk-taking than the older folks. But it, the statistics kind of point in a different direction. Well, and, and the debt, the debt piece – they talk about the fact that uh, their that student borrower, borrowers rose by eighty nine percent between two thousand and two thousand and fourteen, and the average debt held by held by student borrowers has grown by seventy seven percent during that time frame. But it also does talk about the fact that younger folks, you know, and, and I don't mean to sound old or make you sound young, Jordan, uh, have do have more of an entrepreneurial mentality, regardless of whether they're starting their own thing or not, that uh, they sort of seem to be embracing that. And so we'll ask Jordan, is that something that, that you see or, or feel, or what would be your thought on that? Well, I, I'm going to start by saying I totally agree with the debt factor. I know for myself and for a lot of my friends, Paying off those bills is first priority. And then second priority is getting settled somehow, you know, whether it's paying your rent, being able to afford the good wine that you want, <laughs> things like that, you know. And then if you have that either, uh, you know, income or also the risk-taking mentality, uh, then maybe that's your priority after that is to start up a business, which is really exciting. And I've had friends do it and do it well, but I think – we're a generation of people who have been told to follow follow our dreams from a very mm-hmm. young age, uh, and I love that. You know, I think that's why we do have a lot of creative types, uh, and we have a lot of people that are trying to you know find new solutions to old problems and things like that. Uh, but I also think we've this millennial stereotype has sort of come full circle now where we're so paranoid of of being considered that like reckless young person that doesn't have any experience that's jumping into the business world that we have almost maybe pulled back too much and said okay well if that's what you think then we're gonna go get our our office jobs for a little while and kind of build up and that's kind of what I've seen and I've been out of school 
five years. And I think I've definitely seen a return almost from right out of school. Everybody was like, I'm going to go work in California. I'm going to go do this fun thing. And then now a lot of people are settling into the more realistic, uh, maybe maybe still at a fun company, but not trying to start their own company. You know, they're sort of hitting that, that middle mm-hmm. road and, and trying to work their way up old, old school style. Yeah, right. which, you know, which is certainly a path they can work, and you know, and and um, yeah, and I, I, that, that's that's an inter- interesting perspective. And the article talked a little bit about the fact that you know more schools are offering entrepreneurship within their curriculum and trying to integrate it within their curriculum, and, and maybe that's adding to the mentality. But but once you get out in the world and start paying the bills, sometimes uh, the reality whacks you in the head. Yeah, I was just Absolutely. what they talked about in the article about more classes and maybe it's the dormant volcano but maybe that is a really good thing learning about it but being careful and getting established first is really a good idea and then if with a little bit of foundation you take that risk a little bit further down the road well i guess you always have to you have to find that happy medium in that that in at our small business center we have folks that come in that want to start businesses and and you know, some are very excited and want to go out there and start next month, and 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 we certainly don't want them to lose their enthusiasm, but we also want them to to have enough facts and be enough uh, have enough reality in front of them to understand what the what the risks are and what the expenses are. You know, I I always want folks to say let's let's think through what your expenses are going to be, whether you sell. You know, one of your products or, or have one customer that you're providing service to, there still might be some overhead expenses that you're going to have to cover each month. And, uh, by the way, uh, you, you, know, you need to find a salary here somewhere as well. So you want, you, you want to do as much planning as you can before you make that leap. But, uh, you know, we're, our, our country's founded on people starting things and taking risks. So um, we want our young folks to... Uh, to, to explore that as well. So maybe it just maybe they do the exploring, and then when they're 40, they push the button. I don't I know. Don't, I don't think there will be any shortage in the future of people with new, fun, exciting ideas. But it, right now, being a little more conservative is our main concern. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, that's good. Well, anyway, interesting article. You can check it out uh, in the Atlantic magazine, or you can find it online with the Atlantic called uh, The Myth of the Millennial. And... Uh, uh, you know, check it out when you can. But what we're going to talk about with uh, Jordan is, you know, how do how do you build your online presence? How do you build your web presence? And and Jordan's got experience working with various companies, and that's that's what she's doing on a on a regular basis. So we appreciate uh, uh, you know her her thoughts on that as well. But uh, so I, w- I wanted to start out, Jordan, by just asking if, if when people are starting a new business, does every new business need a website? The short answer to that is yes, absolutely, you need a website. Uh, but the longer answer is that different businesses need very different scales of websites. So I think right now uh, what a lot of businesses are doing that I've seen and I think is really smart is uh, you need a website, but maybe just have a landing page. Have one page that has your logo, has, you know, it, it has your brand feel to it, it has uh, the basic information and it has some contact info, and then it points to another site. So, say Facebook or Twitter or whatever you feel is easier to manage from the get go. Uh, I think a lot of people, it's Facebook because we spend a lot of time on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But right off the bat, I don't think everyone needs a huge e-commerce solution giant website that's going to cost you a ton of money. Yeah, and, and I, I tend to agree with you in that even whether it's a landing page or it's sometimes it's almost your electronic brochure and that, that you meet somebody and just to, if I want to see if they have a legitimate business, you know, after I go home or on my phone or whatever, I'm going to check out and just say, hey, do they have a website? What can I find out about them online? There's nothing more frustrating to me than seeing like a billboard or an ad somewhere for coming soon. Uh, and I, it's something that I really am excited about, and I get really excited, and I go to Google, and I search it, and there's nothing. Or there's, you know, one little article in the, you know, the Daily Record saying, it's coming soon. Like, well, I already knew that. What I want to know is, how do I find out more? And I think a good landing page does that, and it says, we're here, and then it says, follow us for more information as we get it. And then you have an instant customer hooked, just like that. You mentioned, you know, as far as basic elements that as you, a new business, uh, you're developing your web presence, you're developing your website, basic elements that you should include. You mentioned logo, you mentioned contact information. Are there other things that they should be thinking about as they start start out and, and get online? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me uh, as a designer, but also as a consumer of a lot of websites, is have a clear vision of what you want to say. So whether that's through the copy, that you know what you write about your business, uh, whether that's a, a good call to action, have that first and foremost on your site, and know have it in your head first and foremost, and then put it where everyone can see it on your website. Don't have everything up top. Don't have everything hidden in these little sub pages. Just make it really clear and know what you want to say. Uh, I think that's a big one. Imagery, really nice imagery you can have the most beautiful website the most expensive website in the world but if your photos look terrible your business looks terrible uh or if it's not photos it can be you know infographics it can be anything but if they're not well done and they don't look legitimate you're not going to look legitimate so i think having those way before you ever talk to a web designer or way before you ever get into squarespace to build your own have that ready and have that represent your business well Uh, and then Again, reiterating contact info. Sometimes people think that contact info has to be on its own little page hidden at the back of a menu. It doesn't. <laughs> just have, have even if it's just your Twitter handle at the bottom of the page saying, if you have questions, let me know, because that's the easiest way for people to get in touch with you if they don't find what they need on your website. It seems to me even having some some parts of the contact information on every page. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, at the bottom of the page or whatever, just so... Yeah, if I'm always there. Yeah, if I'm if I'm looking through something and and whether heaven forbid I actually want to use the phone to to call somebody <laughs> or 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 whatnot that uh, it's very easy to find that you know and so to to me you know putting it throughout the lo- the the website is is not a bad thing. Yeah, I think the job of a really good website is to open up communication and you can't communicate if you don't have anywhere to go or anything to do after you see this business that you're really interested in. So, so when you're working with folks uh, to develop a website, build a website, you know, what, what sort of process do you go through when you work with your clients and, and, how does that work? If I if I want to if I want to hire you or a graphic designer to, to to develop my website, what's the thought process that goes on there? Uh, it's a little different between 
my freelance work that I do and then my work for Mess because Mess is a much, it's not even that big, but it's still 13 more people than just me. Uh, but it's, it's also more structured. So it kind of depends on who you're working with as to what that's going to look like. But I think there are a couple of, of things that you're always going to face and you should be prepared for. Uh, the first thing is just meet meet with the business meet and you're going to meet with the designer as the business owner uh sit down you know if you can't sit down together do a google hangout do a skype session get face to face because otherwise you're not going to get that full experience of what what they're all about what you know what the designer is like how you're going to interact and i think it's important to find someone that you can interact with really well because it's going to be a long process regardless of the size of your website so you want a good relationship to start off with and in that meeting, also be sure to discuss your goals. Uh, you know, obviously the goal is to get a website, but past that, uh, is is it to increase your sales? Is it to get more social media followers? Be sure to to talk through that. Um, second thing after that would be to find inspiration. So collect as many possible sites that you admire, that you hate, that you, you know, and have a visual to talk through with your designer because that save so much time and rounds of revisions if up front you have a clear vision and you can explain it or point to something and say, I like that, I don't like that with your designer. That's going to be really awesome and they're going to love you. Um, uh, then after that, after you've kind of got a, a vibe established, you're going to want to get together assets. Uh, the number one problem that I run into both freelance and with my company is people, business owners who don't realize that they're the ones that are responsible for gathering the assets for their website, whether that's photos, if it's videos, if it's even just paragraphs of information, the bios for all of your employees. You know, as a designer, I don't know your business as well as you know your business. So you should be the one to really, you know, explain it well and have your bullet point, you know. What's their whatever. story? Exactly. It's their story. It's not it's not my story. But a lot of times um, I've had this discussion with every designer I've ever met where clients will come to you and, and be like, okay, no, okay, you're going to write this? And, you know, it's a really awkward moment because, that no, like you, you don't want me to write it. You know, I'm a journalism major, but that's not that's not what I'm really good at, you know? So I think uh, having, having a, a folder or a file on your computer full of things that are about your company – and having that ready when you start off this process is really, really great. Uh, and it's going to set you up to have a really nice, thorough website. And it's going to, again, make your designer really like you and respect you. <laughs> uh, so then, okay, once you have all of that together, uh, usually I go through a wireframing phase. Uh, so designing takes a lot of time, uh, really getting in there with you know, shadows on everything or textures. or whatever. That's not the important part, though. The important part is that you have this structure in and it's the right structure and it's everything is easy to find so basically what i do is go into photoshop or sketch or whatever program and just use white boxes with black outlines and just draw a little sketch of it more or less and have everything in place so this is where the twitter feed goes this is where the about section goes and make sure that's good for everybody uh make sure everybody's kind of on board uh and then once that's approved the fun, the fun part comes in, and it actually gets designed. Uh, that's not that's for me to worry about, not for business owners to worry about. So we can kind of skip over that. But just check in is what I would say about about that. Um, make sure you have deadlines. Make sure you know who's who's accountable for what when. Uh, that's going to be really helpful. And then finally, once everything's up, uh, take time to do quality assurance checks of your own. Go through the website 
with a fine tooth comb, click every link, make sure it's working because again, that's going to save you so much time and money in the long run when you don't have to email somebody and then two days later it gets fixed. You know, if you can have a list of everything that you think is working or not working off the bat, then it's going to be much, much easier. Well, and, 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 We've all we've all probably gone to websites where whether it be typos or links that are not working, and that's just does not reflect well on you or your business. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you, you know, but it almost sounds like the planning piece of it, as you're coming up with, you know, you're doing that reiterative process and 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 sketching it out. I don't I don't know how long the actual development takes once those are approved, but it sounds like the planning process is almost longer than the actual. I got now it's time to do the the graphic work process. It is if you're doing it well. Uh, I think that's the first thing I learned when I was going through school for this was the content is what matters, not w- what it looks like. And you know, as a designer, I was like, well, this isn't what I signed up for at all. <laughs> you know, but I think uh, it really does. So if there's no content to start with, then you're not starting from a very good place. Makes anyway. your job very hard if there's right. not a great story exactly. or, or enough it, information to turn something into you're going to try to make it exciting exactly but you got to have some information to do it yes well well as far as as far as common mistakes through this process that you've seen i I think you 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 mentioned that uh business owners need to recognize that their role in this process and and whether it be collecting photos or bios or certain information they need to to take on that responsibility are there other mistakes or or pitfalls that people can can avoid uh absolutely i think the biggest one aside from not having content ready uh is over investing know that you don't have to have websites are great because they're they can develop along with your business so if you have a small budget off the bat uh don't try to do like a full, you know, e-commerce site. Yeah. You know, I think starting with one page is great. Starting with four pages is great. Uh, don't, you don't have to spend a ton of money up front. It can just be something simple. And then as your business grows or as you see people requesting something on the website, go back to that designer or go back to your content management system, however, and then build it out. Uh, I think people, get really excited up front and they they think they need a lot more than they actually need so maybe maybe considering that and then i think the other thing that i see happening a lot is people change their mind with every new website they see uh i think having a pretty clear vision for your own site to begin with is good and trust your gut on that you know and trust your designer's gut if you have one uh I've had so many clients that have come to me and say, well, I saw this new startup site and I think maybe we should try to do something more like this. And, you know, you're going to see a lot of websites. You're going to, you're going to come across a lot of good websites, which is awesome. Uh, And you should keep, keep in mind what you like about them and maybe, you know, down the road, try to implement something like that that fits your own brand better. But it's, it's so easy to just change your mind on a dime. And I think that's, that's pretty common. <laughs> you know, sort of like when, when you were building that big house, Gary, and, you know, you kept changing the, the design in midstream. That'll kill you. Those, you, <laughs> yep. know, you know, so don't do uh, that. Fourteen different styles in the same house. Okay. Didn't turn out well. 
Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-hosts of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, Well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. Jordan, talk to us some about uh, the the whole mobile issue these days, and that uh, you know things have evolved to a point where even even Gary and I are allowed to have smartphones now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it seems like you know, and I've I've got kids, you you know, and and as does Gary, and it seems like uh, they're doing everything on their phone, you know, and and uh, how does that impact you as a as a web designer, and and how do you address that when you're working with your clients? Uh, yeah, I actually think it's not just kids that are using their phones for it's everything. Not. We do too. <laughs> My parents do more than I do. We'll be sitting at dinner and they're they're checking Facebook. And, mm-hmm. Hello, uh, no, but I think uh, it's so important as a designer and as someone that's thinking about your your own website to think about mobile because most people check the websites on mobile now. It's like statistically. Um, so I think the biggest thing is to think. Think small when you're thinking through your content. So uh, I think uh, the best example that it, and the most frequent mishap I see is uh, restaurants. If they put their menus online, which is really great. I think if you're a restaurant, you should absolutely have your menu up to date online. Don't just put a PDF and call it a day. Because if, if I'm in the parking lot waiting for someone to meet me and I want to look at the menu and I pull it up and it's a tiny PDF that I have to zoom in and then scroll awkwardly, I, I lose interest so quickly. But if you have a nice responsive menu and I can go through it, then all of a sudden I've added like some apps that I really think I need or like a cocktail that looks good, you know. I think things like that. Um, if you have something that shows up on Hover, it's not going to work on mobile because there's no Hover on mobile. It's so, like just thinking through the way that you would use your site on a phone, uh, when you're when you're gathering assets, is going to be really important. Um, and it's nice because if you end up using a site builder, if you don't have the budget for a designer, most of them have that already built in at this point. So it's something where you really don't even have to think about it until maybe you're going back through and checking every page, and something looks really tiny on your phone. Uh, test on everything. That's that's another piece of advice. Uh, if you have an iPad, test your site on that. If you have a phone, don't be scared. Like it's it's not scary. Sometimes you know people, I think are they're like, well, if I look at it on mobile and it looks bad, then I have to change it. Uh, you're gonna want to change it anyway. So I think that'd be a good reason to exactly <laughs> yeah. So so just if you have those devices, test it. Um, even if somebody else is building your site, test it for them. Uh, tell them what you like and don't like. Um, but I think just thinking about things being smaller, uh, and especially think about things in chunks of information. So uh, chunks of information are great because they can stack really easily. Uh, so you know if you have a, a super wide website with really detailed uh, type on a big image, that's not going to show up well. But if you have a nice big image and then you have three paragraphs of type saying like about our company, contact us, it will stack beautifully on a mobile mm-hmm. site and it's so easily scrollable. Um, so I think just thinking about it like that. The accountant in me. I think of all these things, and I'm thinking cost for a small business getting started up. And all the things you've actually talked about are how you can manage those costs. But I'm I'm thinking somebody might be listening and say, boy, this is going to cost a lot. Does it cost a lot? (laughs) It definitely can. Uh, It can get very expensive, uh, which is great for me, not so great for you. (laughs) 
Well, how can someone manage those costs? Yeah, exactly. I guess is the I mean, question. Yeah, because uh, there is the value. I mean, the cost benefit. Right, right. If you don't have it, then you're not going to have much of a business. So you've got to do all the things you're talking about to make sure you have an effective. Well, and and, and there are. And, and Jordan, you mentioned Squarespace. I think. I mean, there's some. I don't know what drop and drag or whatever. Mm-hmm. There there's some tools out there where you can do some of this stuff on your own. So I mean, what's you know, pros and cons, you, you know, how, how do you, as a designer, how do you look at that? Yeah, luckily there are so many options to keep costs down. Uh, thank goodness for, for a collaborative environment that people have built, because I think uh, probably 10 years ago, it would have been so, so much harder to make your own website, but now it's actually pretty easy. The pros to building your own uh, definitely cost. I think that's probably first and foremost. Uh, and having control over your, your own schedule. So if you need it done by next week, you can stay up all night if you really want to, getting it done by next week. Uh, whereas a designer, you can't quite expect them to do that, uh, or you shouldn't expect them to do that. Uh, the cons, and I think as a small business owner, this is probably a very important con. You're going to spend a lot of time on this. It's going to take you so much longer than it will somebody like me who spends every day doing this. Uh, so it's definitely doable, but if your time... If you're in a time crunch, now is not the time to try to be thrifty and do it on your own. Uh, but if you have the time, by all means, I, I recommend doing it. Squarespace is my personal favorite. I use it for sites that I need done quickly for myself. Um, I have an Etsy business, and so I have like a little Squarespace for that to supplement that. Etsy doesn't do great on Google results, but... Um, so easy to use and and it can get very custom if you want it to it doesn't have to they're really good templates um and actually i think my recommendation for people who probably don't have a ton of time or money uh would be to hire a designer to build a squarespace for you um to set it up to make it look really nice to set because on squarespace you can set all the settings for your fonts and your colors and you know effects have someone, have a designer do that for you and then turn it over to you because then you have that upfront nice landing page mm-hmm. look. But as you need to add things, it's so easy to add things yourself. And, and if you need to update a schedule, that's so easy. You don't have to pay someone 50 bucks an hour to do it. So I think um, Sounds that, like a really good alternative. It's like the best compromise I can yeah. possibly think of. And, and my mom uh, works in WordPress, actually, and she does a ton of these because mm-hmm. it's it's not still not easy for her because she does a lot of custom coding and things, but it's so much easier on the back end of not having to keep up with, with a client for a year or two years or five years or whatever. They can manage it themselves, which is nice. I, I mean, I, I guess I always have that fear in the back of my mind that, that you, you don't want to be in a position where you're held, held hostage. Probably, I don't know if that's the right term, but just to, where you have to pay someone to make some very minor changes and, you know, um, you know, where our, our schedule changed, we're closed because, you know, it's, you know, 200 degrees outside and, you know, we're all, we've all melted, uh, you know, and I want to put something out there and, you know, it would be nice if I could just go online and do it myself. So I think that's, I, I like, I like your thought process. That's very good. So, you know, we're, we're, we've been talking primarily about websites, you know, but in terms of online presence, that, that's only one element of it. When you talk to clients or, or just in your experience, uh, from a strategic point of view, uh, how should they be complementing their website and, and, and maintaining some consistency in their message and that sort of stuff? I mean, there's, there's so many social media things out there. You know, what, what do you tell people or what do you do? Uh, a lot of it depends on the business. So Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest are going to be far more relevant for some industries than others. Uh, I think 
things that change really quickly. So like restaurants, uh, salons, things that are visual to um, tattoo shops. You know, I think for them, Facebook is a huge asset. It's you're meeting people where they're already going constantly. Uh, it's easy enough. You know, there's no real technical know-how other than sizing your pictures correctly, which I can talk about in a minute. Uh, I think for people like that, I say, by all means, make that your priority. Uh, Have a nice landing page that points people there the end. I think for a lot of people, social media maybe isn't as important as as people make it out to be. I think the biggest thing for that in that situation, if, if maybe your business doesn't change or it's like B2B, so you don't think you're going to find customers on Facebook, I think the biggest thing is stay on top of it. It's easy to set it and be like, well, it's fine. I, I'll just check back in a month or so. No, check at, at least once a week. Set aside some time to go through and have a list of everything, everywhere your site shows up. So if you're a restaurant, it's going to be Yelp. It's going to be... Google reviews or whatever it's called. Um, you know, if, if you're another business, it might be Angie's List, things like that. Take an hour, check through everything, make sure that you're listening to the reviews, make sure your image looks like you want it to, uh, and if you need to respond to some stuff, do that. Don't just let it go if you're not, even if you're not actively seeking out customers there, make sure you're on top of that. Otherwise, I think just keeping everything up to date on social media is the most important thing. Listen to your customers and and make sure that everybody's informed what they need to be informed of. Sounds good. Well, you know, you, you sort of, you know, we, we talked about the, 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 the wine company that you work for. You know, you're working, I think I call them marketing mess. I think it's mess marketing, mm, I think. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> apologize out there, guys. It, it's a real mess. So it does not matter. <laughs> um, you know, any, any suggestions that, uh, you know, to through your work that uh, you can provide to, to startups or new businesses? Just uh, what's your perspective these days? I think one thing that I would, I would say that I, I don't see a whole lot of people talking about, uh, even if you aren't going to pay a designer to, to build out your whole site, if you want to do Squarespace, pay a designer for your logo, first and foremost. Uh, it will pay huge mm-hmm. dividends later. Uh, even if you think it won't, it will, I promise. Uh, and pay a designer to establish a style guide. Um, people outside of the industry might not know style guide is in particular, but it's it's a logo, it's color palette. Uh, the designer is going to give you you know four to six colors. These are your company colors. Don't go outside them. Uh, fonts is a big one. You know you want to make sure you're staying consistent there. Uh, it's photo style. A lot of them will show you you know if, if your tone is really warm, sunny photos, or if, you, if it's more industrial, you know, based on what your business is, uh, it's, it's just going to polish out your, your look so much more than you think. Uh, so, and, you know, something like that's only going to take a few hours. Like, it's not going to be a huge investment, but it will definitely, it'll make your life easier if you're building your own website, because then you only have these few things to go mm-hmm. off of. So it's like, okay, I can only use Helvetica or whatever. So that, that would be my first piece of advice. And I don't think a lot of people talk about that, but they should be. Um, and, and I would think that's just very important for maintaining consistency. It is. Yeah, it's, that, it's hard. You know, in what you do. Yeah, it's hard to be consistent when you're putting out so much content, yeah. uh, which hopefully you are. I think use resources is another thing. People are, are sheepish about asking for help a lot of the time. But like I said earlier, the Internet is so collaborative, and that's what I love about it. And I think this goes back to probably being a millennial. I go to Google for everything. Um but especially when you're trying to work your way through this complicated, you know, web web presence discussion, ask 
like, you know, Google something or if, you know, follow people on Twitter that you think are doing this well and ask them questions. If you have a question about what you should be doing on Facebook, uh, go to Sprout Social is my favorite. Uh, they're a company out of Chicago and they just manage social media. It's, it's really awesome desktop application, but basically they have a really good blog and all of it is just better ways to use social media. And if you have a question that they haven't answered, it will be very surprising. Um, so I think using, using resources and not being afraid to ask for help is, is huge. That'll get you a long way. I think that's pretty good advice. We very much appreciate you joining us today and, 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 uh, you know, you've, you've, You've dropped a lot of good uh, uh, tips and stuff that people can use. So we appreciate you joining us and yes, being our guest today. Much. Thanks for having me. And this is the time where we wind up, where we talk about a small business that we've come across. And, and Jordan, you want to give a shout-out to, to a small business? I do. It's a small business that I've already mentioned and that is very close to my heart. But my mom actually owns her own small business. Uh, she's the site station, web design. Uh, that's where I learned most of what I know about web design. Um, but she, she started when I was in middle school, so it's, it's been a while, uh, probably 10 or 15 years. And she is a one-woman operation and uh, makes really awesome WordPress websites. Uh, she's at thesitestation.com. But I think it's, it's, I've seen a lot of small business life where she sees the really good stuff and then she sees the really bad stuff that, you know, if you're in a company, you might be a little more shielded from. Uh, but she's, she's persevered through all of it, and she's, she's really great to work with. And, and where can we find her again? Thesitestation.com. And, and I neglected to say, Jordan, where can people find you? Oh. Right? Hey, <laughs> I, so uh, if people want to find more about uh, Jordan Johnson, where can they find you? Uh, I have a, a wide web presence. So uh, Mess, my company, is at thisismess.com. Uh, my personal site is jordanthegirl.com. And then uh, I've mentioned reaching out on Twitter a few times. That's probably the easy, easiest way to get a hold of me. And I'm Jordan Bear, J-O-R-D-A-N-B-E-A-R. Okay. All right. Gary. I don't have that many site <laughs> presence. You, you can tell us your phone number later. Here. <laughs> Go ahead. Exactly. And the dial phone. Okay, that. that's right. Uh, only Rotary works for you. But anyway, go ahead. And what's uh, your small business of the month? Well, my small business of the month is another clever idea made good and has given many people happy feet. Have you heard of happy feet? I bet you will when I get through. Sing a few bars. Go okay. ahead. <laughs> and coincidence of this business is it's called Happy Feet, and it's headquartered in Louisville, Kentucky, home of Skills USA Nationals, and it, they make the most comfortable and high-quality house slippers in the world. The business philosophy is family-oriented, and they take that to where they're really close to their customers as well as their wholesalers and their dealers. Started back in uh, the early 2000s uh, with a lot of uh, mall carts, those things you see, little kiosks in the malls. Uh, Pat Yates is the president and the owner of Happy Feet, and he's it's been family-owned for the last 20 years, but they've expanded into hundreds of sites in malls across the country. Uh, but where they really took off, although that's a lot of exposure, is when they went uh, online, and they're getting a lot of people uh, looking at their products, and they have they started very small with standard uh, colors and types of things for those house slippers. That Do you have any happy feet now that I've talked about it? I know you have happy feet because yeah. you're a great dancer. They're, they're modically you know, mostly happy. You mostly know, happy you know, most of the time. Yeah. But, you know. They could be happier. They could be happier. And I bet if I brought you some Tar Heel happy feet, you'd be excited. 
As was um, Jordan and I. I know. And I could have my black and gold demon deacons. Yeah, okay. Um, and so there's something for everybody in Happy Feet. But they've done a great job. They've had, in 2010, they got Snooky <laughs> as a, a sponsor or a licensee. Number one person everyone wants as their spokesperson. Uh-huh. <laughs> and now I wonder how many people no, know who no Snooky Card- is no from Card- 2016. No available, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so... You know, and, but they've been on every late night show from Jimmy Fallon to David Letterman. That's even talking about a little bit older since David is now retired, but all over the world. And they've done great things and they're expanding. Now they have a contract with DreamWorks for many of their characters and their shows uh, from Shrek to Kung Fu Panda to uh, How to Train Your Dragon. So started very small uh, with just a little cart in the mall and now they're all over the world. So pretty exciting shows how small business can grow into a big business cool and i love the name happy feet (laughs) sounds good all right my small business of the month i I, you know every now and then i just sort of you you clip things out you put them aside and i came back across one that that i'd seen a few months ago uh it's called wearable experiments it's an australian company and there was a little blurb in The Week magazine, and this was a few months ago, uh, and, and actually it was written up in Fast Company, which is a, a business magazine. But anyway, it's an Australian company that makes wearable technology. Their mission is to bring together fashion and technology with a functional design aesthetic and use cre- creative problem solvings to help us live well and have a better quality of life. Uh, so so any of the, the product that I saw, which was pretty cool, is, was a pair of yoga pants called, called Naughty Yoga Pants, pants, which use subtle vibrations from sensors that are woven into the pants at the hips, knees, and ankles to correct the wearer's form and body alignment when they're doing yoga. So if you're not in the correct downward dog position, you'll, you'll get a little vibration, and you'll move to to correct your position and assume the correct. That's yoga impressive. Position. Downward dog. Downward dog. I'm yeah, impressed yeah. that you know that. You're not a yoga person. No, I'm yoga. not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I went to their website, and they had more cool stuff. You know, there you hard to believe, but there was even more cool stuff. They have something that's called a football fan shirt. Which, if you're in Australia, football is probably what to us would be soccer. And you can connect it to an app, and you can select a team that you want to follow. And by connecting to the real-time game data, the shirt somehow vibrates in a way to allow the wearer to feel the sensations of what the team is going through on every major play. From corner kicks to red cards to goals. And I I have really no idea what those vibrations would feel like. (laughs) but, But anyway... So that was sort of cool. We should buy a shirt to see how it there's works. more. Wait, oh, there, there's wait, more. There's oh, more. Wow. But wait, Call there's now. more. Call now. Uh, they also have a product called Fundaware, which they target. <laughs> they call the future of foreplay, a new innovation which helps couples connect it even when they're apart. Fundaware is the world's first wearable technology which allows personal touch to be transferred from a smartphone app to a partner anywhere in the world. They have bras, underwear uh, for both men and women that you can connect to an app and you can use it to caress the sensitive areas of your connected partner. Uh, You've just given me a, a lot of great Christmas present ideas. I know. Can I you know. disconnect if you break up? <laughs> I, w- I would hope. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, just, just checking. I, I don't know. It, it was actually a very small video 
that I was able to access through the community college system, Gary. You might want to check those college filters. I was going to say, I'm surprised <laughs> you keep that on the college. I know. I, I was, too. But anyway, this is, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is really the payoff for staying with the Entrepreneur Exchange for the Bitter there End. There you go. That's exactly right. <laughs> this is the sort of stuff. Only portion. This is the sort of stuff you get if you really can, can, can hang with us in there. Anyway, wearable <laughs> experiments, you can check them out online at uh, wearableexperiments.com. Dot com. So, anyway, it was just you, know, you sort of I'm writing that down. <laughs> that you are. Uh, I, you know, we wish it was closer to Valentine's Day. But anyway, <laughs> if you've got a suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email it to us at exchange at the mesh TV. And if we use your your uh, uh, small business, you can win our you can win our prize back. So. Well, we started with hot, hot, hot. And you ended it with hot, hot, hot. There you go. There we go. Well, we want to thank Jordan Johnson for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening. And Gary, we'll look forward to doing this again next month. Thanks. You got me excited to see what's going to happen next month. I guess. All right. Everyone take care. We'll see you soon. Take care. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.